0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Dungeons & Comedians D&D Brief for the episode All's Well That Ends in Hell. Uh, my name is Brendan Bennett and I was your Dungeon Master. It would be really weird if you were listening to this and you didn't know that, because I <laughs> mean, that you're listening to people talk about an episode of something that you don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, so well, what what we're going to do is uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about what happened in the episode, uh, any feelings that result from that, and then we'll zoom out a little bit and maybe reflect on the last two years as a, as a whole. And um, yeah, so uh, I've got uh, three of the adventurers with me.
1: Uh, my name is Henry, uh, and I had the pleasure of uh, playing Melon.
2: Uh, uh, yeah. Kia ora uh ema toko wingawa, but also core belt toko ingoa. Um And if you don't know Māori, I just said I'm Emma, and I'm also belt.
0: That makes me wonder like, what's we know what belt's river is, right? Because it's the Sidown River.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: What's what's
2: yeah, I should do a what's whole of What's belt's mountain? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could probably pound it out. <laughs>
0: We can, yeah. work, we can work out a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And Aaron.
3: Uh yeah, Guten Tag. Ich heiße Aaron Jelly und ich hatte uh, Trixie Abernathy Gespielen. Yeah. Uh, that
0: That was a hidden that was a hidden talent, Aaron.
3: Yeah. I like to bust it out where uh, if anyone wants to suddenly discover that I speak terrible German. <laughs> got that in the bag. Ooh, what a treat. What what was Trixie's accent like based on let's move on from that <laughs> <laughs> um i, I mean yeah. i guess it's Russian. Right oh actually I, I remember in the first episode um like right before we went on stage you asked us brendan okay oh, have you all got your voices uh, sorted or something to that effect and i had not thought about it at all and the first thing that came to me was a Russian accent, and then I was stuck with it for two years.
0: Well, to be fair, but, you, there was a there was a couple of there was a couple of episodes in the middle there where
4: Trixie went on a real wander. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, there's always the response that uh, that Dagny gave, played by Karen uh, the D and DJ, uh, when asked what his accent was, and he responded with, "It's just a mythical accent, Brandon." <laughs> Just a physical
0: accent. It's a fair call. Like, I always feel like in fantasy movies, they should make up accents rather than being like, oh, dwarves are Scottish and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I think you raise a good point too, Aaron. Like, we didn't know when we did that first one that we would be here two years later still doing it. Like, Aaron and I were the first episode together and we were just, we had no idea what was going to happen. And so we probably both made decisions that we were just like, doesn't matter if I forget that because that'll never be back.
3: <laughs> How many brothers? Yeah, fourteen. Why not? <laughs>
0: no! Damn it! <laughs> um, okay, so all's well that ends in hell. Uh, uh, the final episode of the adventure. Um, we didn't have a de- debrief for the previous for the previous episode. Um, which was what the deadliest game? Do I mean, does anyone want to address anything? That was the one where it was kind of like uh, you had to fight your way through the city of rich yeah. people. I'm, I'm <laughs> reminding you um, and fight your way to the top of Tusk Tower. Any, any reflections on that one?
3: I thoroughly enjoyed the moment where I think it's obviously that first episode was not recorded and is lost in the sands of time, but in the second iteration of the first episode, aka the first recorded episode, I think the same thing happened where whales were mistaken for whales. And that happened again in that previous episode, which was a lovely almost book ending that I thought was wonderful.
0: Yeah, so that um in the in that in that first episode, I was describing, you you were going down a staircase and I knew that there was like the necromancer that you were searching for was in a room below you, but that he was very sad because his boyfriend had broken up with him. And so I said, "You hear anguished wails uh, emanating from th- through the door," and you, of course, leapt on it and was like, "Wails, Whales? You mean like, you know, like whale sounds kind of thing?" And um, so then in the in the next version, I was like. If I say this again, will the same thing happen? And it did. <laughs> and then, uh, the same, then in that in that episode, I was like, if I do this again, will the same thing happen? And it did. So, <laughs> comedians cannot resist the um, the the
4: homophone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, that was um that episode before was the one where I carried chalky the whole episode, wasn't it? Like yes, you had Chalky
0: tied to you, and then by the end of it, you had, um, I believe it was described as a bandolier of teenagers, like, oh, wrapped right. around that's... you.
2: Yeah, right. That was funny. I had a friend come to that show who's, um like, listened to the show a couple of times, but um I don't think had seen it before. And afterwards, she said to me, I love how Belt is, like, um kind of the picture of manhood, but also, like really doesn't like toxic masculinity and she was referencing the boat where belt's like about the the beer and he's like, you know, beer doesn't solve all of the problems. Um oh. but she was like referencing that that little moment and like the weird mentorship with these young teenagers. It's funny like always hearing other people's opinions because it's not stuff that you actively think about at the time.
0: Yeah, well you've you've said you've said many times, Emma that all of your characters are kind of aspects of you. So I think it's inevitable that your viewpoint will come through. Mm. In the same way, I was talking to someone last night, like uh, how my viewpoints come through as well. Like they pointed out that the the, the villain of pretty much every adventure has been capitalism. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's quite a good observation.
0: Um, and that's like – it's not that's not a coincidence like, no um i guess but yeah like m- my my viewpoints about society and things come through in this weird fantasy setting and how i what i consider to be bad um mm. when when i decide i need to set up a i need to set up a villain so it'll be like a tech millionaire it'll be someone someone who uh wants to wants to get a cure so they can gouge up the prices um and th- all that kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Henry, how is Melon like you?
1: <laughs> I was I was thinking about that and I don't know if Melon is a lot like me, but I think I think I've got a soft spot for certainly the traits of Melon. And Emma, we've talked about this in the past and the similarities that Mellon shares with Neil from The Young Ones.
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: Kind of like a, you know, he's he's a soft-spoken hippie. And um, there's just a, you know, he's quite low status and kind of, you know, everyone shits on him, but there's just something so beautiful about his character. And Often in, in improv, uh, the, the low status characters are the ones who I'm drawn to. I think, I don't know, because I think maybe, yeah, there's just something I'm kind of drawn to about that type of character that I think I was kind of uh, maybe subconsciously drawn to Melon, or that's how Melon came to be. Um, it, it, I mean, as you were both saying before, it's nothing that I, I didn't really plan, but it sort of, yeah, you know, just, just came out that way
0: and those low status characters are in my experience pretty rare in dungeons and dragons right because you're when you're creating a character like there's a there's a strong element of wish fulfillment in Mm. how people i'm gonna be this powerful wizard who you know no one can no one can stop him because he's so powerful and he can make he can get whatever he wants because he'll you know throw fireballs at people so making making the choice of being low status is
1: it makes them it makes them stand out mm, mm I was also coming into the fray like a you know the podcast had already been the you know the show had already been running for a year, so i I did want to make a character that was a little bit different, so I guess that was what pushed me towards the low status side of things uh, yeah.
0: Okay, so let's we, we we were meant to talk about um, the episode, so let's talk about it. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. All's also, also well that ends in hell. Uh, this last episode, so you you went to through the various layers of hell. Um, mm. You confronted Palor. You recovered Alfonso's soul, uh, and uh, then you you restored goodness to the to the universe. Um, how was it?
2: It felt like a greatest hit show in a good way.
3: Yeah.
2: I felt yeah, like I, I, if, you know, I felt like people who listen to it, it's like when you buy a ticket to a concert and you say to yourself, gee, I hope they play that song. And I felt like we did all of them, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, I was, oh, were you... like
2: surprised. Well, I didn't know what was happening, you know? It, it wasn't like, oh, here we go. This is going to be this bit, you know?
0: Yeah, we even got Belt climbing into a tube, didn't we?
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't think of an episode where more happened in it, but it it never felt rushed. There was just so much going on. It was, as you say, it was just like hit after hit after hit. It was, yeah, it was so much fun.
2: Man, I loved when Trixie put anus bees
3: back in. Ah, well, thank you. Yeah, that was, I... I, I was just gonna uh, shoot it in the asshole, and then I realized I've, I've, I've got a bag of bees, and, and I did that thing, and I, c- I can do it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was, I mean, that was episode two, Battle of the Bards. Um, yeah. Way way back in last year, where um, where Trixie earned the medal for most bees.
3: Yeah, because I remember. Th- the episode after Battle of the Bards, I'd completely forgotten everything that happened in Battle of the Bards, and you—I think—I came on stage right at the start, and you said, "Trixie, the last time we saw you, you <laughs> destroyed a giant metal demon by shoving a bag of bees up its anus." <laughs> so I, ah, I must have done.
0: <laughs> well, great news, everyone—we've uh, just been joined by Ben Allen. Um, ben, welcome along. Hello.
4: How are we all? Good. Yeah, it was good. good. Yeah, good. Yeah. And who good. do you play? Uh, I play beryl Castbreaker, Fotherington Smythe, as it turns out. What a twist! <laughs> <laughs> what a twist! That was a fun twist.
0: We were just talking about all's well that ends in hell. What What are your uh, What are your takeaways from the episode? <laughs>
4: i was i was delighted I was delighted the way it um, finished up and i it was great that we were able to wrap up some long running story threads i was thinking I was thinking on the way on the bus back home to Needham, it's amazing that brother Skinner was promoted to corn within like a day of arriving <laughs> in like he's yeah, I- a, a real go getter
0: that's a good point in that the last three episodes, the last four episodes take place in about a 48-hour period. Mm. Mm. Um, with, a, I don't think, any sleep in
4: that time. <laughs> no short um, rests. No, short, no rests. short rests. I actually, well, I was wondering when I got to the start of also what that means in hell. I was wondering if I should put my hit points back up to maximum because, really, I mean, we just sort of carried on with from where we left off, so, yeah, we... Uh, That's I a really good
0: point. I probably... Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, I put uh, mine strike
3: back up to maximum.
0: Yeah, no, sorry. you. I'm going to go back and edit it, and you're all dead. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> everyone. Imagine.
4: We all died in a full image of falling into hell, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, just... First thing happened, splat on the oh ground. My gosh,
0: crazy. Um,
1: I think, I oh, just on that. I think my initial expectations of well that ends and how we're going to be that we'd uh, encounter lots of people from our past, that um, a bit like um, Alvon Tusk, lots of people that we've killed. Uh, but I was I was quite surprised and it was quite nice that we didn't necessarily go back to our the past of the adventure. We went back to the characters' past, uh, which was quite nice.
0: I did go through and I kind of like made a list of all of the people who had died, and I was just like, I don't know if everyone wants to meet Doctor Cottage again or uh, Keith Keith Holyoke. As, oh. as much as he was a great character, I think Ben, you might have been the only person who met him from that adventure
4: yeah 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 maybe um and i think there was a lot there was already a lot in there for long-time fans i do wonder like because there were a few people that hadn't been to a show before and they came to yeah. the end and it's like wondering that there must have been a lot that sort of they went on the inside you know baseball of it but like i think i think people were generally picked up on those sort of running gag. Uh, yeah,
0: I, t- I talked to a, a few people, and they seemed to seem to have enjoyed it, even even though they didn't know everything that was going on.
2: Well, one of the girls who put up her hand and said she'd never been to the show before um asked for all of our autographs afterwards.
0: Oh. So we must have been doing something right <laughs> um on the on the subject of Skinner's promotion to Godhood. My, my thinking behind that was that because like corn and the other gods had moved on to the, to the next plane of existence, the, there was a kind of a, a vacuum. You, when you prayed to corn or when you played, prayed to the blood god, Skinner was kind of sucked into that vacuum.: uh,
4: right time right place he, to, he to, re- to fill that, yeah. that hole. Yeah, he died at exactly the correct. He failed upwards. He failed upwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and and effectively the same thing happened to
4: um, to Barold. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're gonna have the yin and the yang because you can't have you can't just leave Corn in charge. Either no. that no. would be that would be not good either. Um. Yeah, but um yeah I guess there's a like a the there's a recovery period now like where everybody slowly comes to terms with their what they did when they were a mushroom person and you know people just have to look each other in the eye in their villages and just get back to normal life There's a lot to that could be dealt with i suppose in that recovery <laughs> period like does Heliotropolis have like a does it have like a dissension um Sort of mechanism, or is it just like it was a rocket power like, I hope that Obontusk's, you know, mechanism just allowed for the fact that it would land again, didn't just sort of drop out of the sky. Um, but uh, but yeah, those are all that there are. Yeah, those are all those questions that you don't really worry about when it's happily ever after, the happily ever after ending.
0: What are some of the things that you all like? remembered from the episode or things that things that reminded you of previous episodes.
4: I really loved I've noticed a lot of callbacks and I haven't even been in that many episodes, but like just from listening, I guess I've been in five or six, but I felt like that almost everything that was happening was somehow um tied back into stuff I knew just from listening to other episodes. Um that elvon tusk had to of course come back even after he was dead to be more annoying for a little bit more, and that um you know squirrel the whole zombie squirrel attack um uh Trixie's boyfriend stick, which who was a minor minor character Is he a gnome i think he was a gnome, yes. A gnome? Yeah. 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 yes yeah yes
0: stick was the the pilot of the some kind of flying vessel that you rode on in that zombie episode. The one we did in Little Andromeda last
4: year. Yes, yes. Um, so I was glad that Stick was still sticking around.
3: Because um, I don't know what it was about Stick, but I remember myself within the show when he came, it was probably just the voice Brendan was doing. I was just like, I love this guy. And
0: then, <laughs> I remember at the time you you, you, you said that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah and then can listen to it. and I think from there I was always intending to bring up just kind of at some point that Trixie and Stick had a thing going, and and then it, it took till now.
4: <laughs> well, Stick nearly died as well, didn't he? I think he was yeah, in, the crash. in that crash. and <laughs> we carried his, yeah, and we carried them all the yeah, way to Doctor Cottage's cottage. <laughs> so i'm glad I'm glad he pulled through
0: so that middle section in my notes was called the like the personal hell section where the idea was that everyone would kind of be tortured in in their own personal hell um did that i mean did that did that seem i was trying to to make it kind of fitting for each of the characters did you did you feel suitably tortured
3: Mm, there was a real kind of um surreal nightmare quality to it that yeah i think as henry sort of brought up earlier i was very much expecting we would arrive (laughs) in hell and we would walk around hell but then it was a much more personal kind of yeah i i loved it it was great
1: I think for Melon uh, fighting off a whole horde of squirrels, I don't think there's anything more torturing uh, for the poor guy, um, especially when he still carries around the trinket of the one squirrel that did die. Seeing Belt shish kebab a whole lot of them fir- <laughs> by firing two, two arrows at once after rolling a twenty-five, I think it was it was. Quite, quite torturing to see.
0: Well, especially in the in the context of the um the later revelation that <laughs> yeah. you that Melon actually was a squirrel. Is a squirrel that was amazing. Loved it. I loved
2: that. Love that. Um, well, that's funny as well because um I'm not one to actually remember anything. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed that about me. <laughs> but actually, that's the second time that Belt has shish kebabed in an episode.
3: Ah, oh, that's right.
2: It's not the first time he shish kebabbed.
3: He's got a penchant for shish kebabbing. <laughs> <it.
2: laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I thought Baltal was good. I was pleased we didn't stay in Baltal for too long because I think um, like uh, it, it 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 was good, but also you know it was, it was at that point in the episode where it was good to kind of. Move on quite quickly, so I was quite pleased it was short. Although it did remind me of that Simpsons episode, um, where I'm pretty sure it's the episode where Bart and Milhouse drink too many. Um, they go to the Quickie oh, Mart, and they slushies. get that real sugary yeah. one, and where they, they join the Navy. Is yes. it that one? But anyway, yes. he's like tapping him on the shoulder, and then he's trying to turn him around, and the face never turns around, and then they, he runs around him, and but then. Um, I thought about it a little bit more, and then I realised that it was Belts like Inception. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception, how he like can't see the faces of his children. Ah. And it, because it means too much. Was that what you were trying to get? That's what you are trying to do, right,
0: Brendan. It was. It was about. It was about you know Belts. What was that? Well, not me.
2: Although it wouldn't have been funny if that was like my fart.
3: Like, <laughs> burp, burp. <laughs> uh, if, if you want to know the truth, my great uncle just sent me a Facebook friend request, so that's exciting. <laughs> that was
2: <laughs> great uncle. He's just he does, like, he does sound he's great. like actually, I changed my mind. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna friend him on
0: Facebook. <laughs> um, that the, the what I was going for there is, you know, Belt has a kind of. A, a need for the, the adoration. Like it, he's all built around being a folk hero. Mm. Right. So I thought be, being ignored was right. probably something, something that would be hard for Belt to deal with. Oh, and okay. it, it, my goal was that it would also double as like a, a personal hell for Emma. Yeah, because you're talking about brothers that I can't remember the names of. So that was that was kind of the meta hell that I was going for. Thanks, Brendan.
4: I Bruna. thought it was very apt that the escape, Belk's escape from his hell, he found literally at the bottom of a <laughs> glass of beer. Like, <laughs> the solution to his problem was just to drink a beer. He
0: had to go and, like, sit in a corner by himself, and that was... That that was how I viewed it. Like he he would have to um accept like <coughs> being being alone.
2: Well, because Belt buys beers for people, not 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 because he's an alcoholic, but he does it because <laughs> that's the best like.
4: to admit you have a problem, Belt.
2: A way <laughs> it's a way to like bring people together, right? Like. Mm, mm, he's mm. the host of the party, you know.
0: Ben, you you didn't really get to see your hell.
4: No, well, that was I thought that was good because, well, I, I don't know, it might have been interesting to find out what it was going to be. But um, yeah, because then, then I ended up having a revelation sort of towards the end rather than advance when we were actually having a confrontation with Pelor, which was quite good. Um, so all that personal stuff came out then. Um, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, Barrel's hell anyway, and just that he's the last person left of this, even though, because he never took his religion very seriously, and then to kind of be the last person, the, the last hope of the side is a lot of pressure. Um, so that was his his own hell in a way, anyway.
0: Yeah, that was, the, I, w- I was really glad that you were there for for that uh confrontation with, with Palor. Um but I did have a I did have a hell kind of in mind for for Barold because you made an offhand comment uh, or Barold made an off offhand comment. I don't know if 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 you remember it or or what, but you had you made a reference to having like a childhood friend who like, died in a mine accident.
4: Oh, my cousin Lucy or something like that? Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: yes. So, yeah. you, when you, like, you get that kind of flash of it, and it was, in my mind, it was Lucy who was, like, calling out, barreled, barreled.
4: Ah, right. Okay. That would have been a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: really. Um, there's, I mean, there are there are a few things throughout the show that only – only I, only I know that it <laughs> happened. In it.
3: That's
2: so funny.
4: Yeah, she was she was bad at mining. She, she, but she the reason she came up is because she was uh, when I did sp- called some the spirit of my ancestors with one of those spells at some point. Uh. And Lucy was there. when we were fighting the flying uh, unicorns or the flying the, the cow kick. The cow kick. I was cow kicked by a horse. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but alas, Lucy. I guess, you know, I mean, because we don't know, now that we know that Beryl's upbringing was actually quite different. That Lucy... Oh, yeah, it was all a lie. Yeah. Maybe uh, she wasn't even real. Maybe she wasn't even mm. real.
0: <laughs> maybe she was, you know, a chandelier fell on her. <laughs> while while the her servants were polishing it on something like she that. She
4: choked on quail's eggs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um any 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 final thoughts about the episode?
4: I love that the the music cues work so well. They were just some of the best jokes of the night in themselves. Oh,
0: Karen Searle was that was that was his, his best D and DJing of the of the All two time. years. He was incredible yeah. so just some Incredibly on point uh, cues.
4: Yeah, fantastic. And you know, and um, I think people would listen to that and go, you know, oh, this was obviously all planned, plotted out in advance. But we, I, yeah, we had no idea what was going to happen. And like, he was just so, like, in terms of doing, you know, comic timing, just with a cue. Yeah, back in black. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so, so fun. Right. So,
1: I said Good. the same thing about uh, the Deadliest Game, the, one, the, the previous episode, when Brendan, when you said, oh, if only we, you know, what uh, was it? The vets need to be made two times bigger and eight times heavier. And I said, oh, I know someone who can do that, but literally they just, <laughs> they weren't available to play tonight. And then boom, that, that sound effect played of Alfonso, um, which was such a surprise to me, but it, it was uh it looked like I had I had set it up, but actually it was such a seamless um such a seamless thing that it, it worked, oh, yeah. worked beautifully.
2: I mean we talk about it before, I know we've talked about it in D and D briefs previously, but I don't think people really realise how little we know what's gonna happen as players. Mm-hmm. Like um, you know, like I've got friends who have listened to everything and you know they said like oh yeah but you do know a bit though hey eh? and the thing was is like you know sometimes brendan wouldn't even really publicize to us who was going to be playing towards the end like we didn't know really who was going to be on the show until we arrived you know occasionally it
4: was going to be in the show until the afternoon <laughs> that it happened
2: so yeah yeah that's right yeah so it's it's so um you really got to just go with your with your gut you just got to go with the flow but there was a there was a there was a kick in the feels
0: um okay so if we if we zoom out for a moment and look at back at the last two years of dungeons and comedians do you have any any thoughts or memories or comments
1: i think what surprises me the most is the community that's come together and the audience of dungeons and comedians about kind of how many how how many people it it attracted um, the different types of people like looking in the audience last night it felt like uh, such a diverse audience and such a committed audience like the autographs afterwards the the yeah. gifts that we've gotten um, the oh I just yeah I've I've been amazed with the with the audience.
3: It's lovely yeah,
4: yeah. to do, to do a show where because of that because people would listen to the story and it would build up. And this, I think the threads started like it was all a bit, you know, it was, there was a period of um, everybody finding exactly what it was. And then when Brendan, I think you made a conscious decision to make it more serialized is that's when people started listening to and coming to it. Like it was a, almost like watching a TV show, like what's going to happen next. And, it's so nice, and it was really highlighted in that last episode as well to be able to build on stuff that you know has really got a history to it, and like you can say a line that isn't in itself perhaps a joke, but it is a joke because you of something that, that happened eighty episodes ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't had the opportunity to do something like that before, and that that was very nice to um, to have that, those running gags in mm-hmm. place. And that's something you can only do, I think, with something that's gone for, you know, for two years and had that kind of following.
3: And that's another thing I think the audience really helps for is remembering that for us, like as improvisers, I think we're used to playing pretty well, disposable characters. That you might be enjoying a character you're doing, but in a couple of minutes the scene's going to be over and you're never going to do it again, and it doesn't hit you the same way. You don't. It's yeah. not until you're doing it show like this where you make a decision and you hear someone gasp in the audience and you go oh yeah people care about this it's so cool yeah
2: yeah i think that's the thing that will be um the the long standing memory that i'll have of the show was just like what a happy accident it all was but also um i don't know i mean it's <clears throat> uh, well, Kathleen and I were talking the other day because she hadn't heard the Brother Skinner episode where Brother Skinner dies, and she texted me um, straight afterwards and she said, "I um I'm crying about Brother Skinner." And it was funny because I realised like actually after that episode where Brother Skinner died in the D and D brief, like I don't say very much because I'm actually crying, and it was about it wasn't about Brother Skinner dying. It was about realising like this is all actually going to end soon and I think um like when you've been in it from the beginning like Brennan you probably feel the same too um not that I ever think about you (laughs) because you you know it's going to happen so it must be a different experience but you know you've been doing the same thing for once a month for two years and it's become a massive part of your life in a way like I've you know the belts um you know belt's going to be one of those things that are. You know, I, I may have peaked. That might that might be me. That might be the best <laughs> thing I do in my life. And uh, it'll be um, – I was actually laughing with Brinley Steen last night about how, you know, like when you're in a show like Shortland Street or whatever, you it's always on your bios when you're in shows and things. I feel like Bout's like my claim to fame now, which uh-huh. is kind of cute that it started in such like a little humble way. And I feel like we achieved something kind of accidentally great.
0: Um. You, b- before Ben, you mentioned about how I made a decision to like plan things out, which happened at the start of this year, Right, yeah. I kind of went, went away and like, okay, I've got a plan that will take us through to the end of the year. And I did, I did, I honestly did, but I've just looked up what that plan was. And right. um, there was going to be a meteor heading towards the earth to cleanse all life on the surface and I think there was like a there was a demon on the on the meteor and you were going to steal a rocket from Alvon Tusk and fly up to the meteor and the final episode was going to be like a battle with a demon on a meteor that was crashing towards Earth so I guess a kind of a Armageddon kind of plot line Wow. Would that, um,
1: would would like that have happened would that have happened had we actually stopped the Spores outbreak?
0: <laughs> I think I think we got diverted earlier than that, much earlier than that. And I'm trying to remember like what threw us off in another direction. But I had initially when you went to uh my plan was that when you went to that other dimension that little sneaks was from that they were like, they had already been. So there was this, some kind of demonic horde that had, that was like going dimension by dimension and wiping, like taking over. And they had already taken over little sneaks dimension. And that's why she was sent to this one to escape from that. And Susan was, uh, going to get Alfonso to like like open a portal so that they could then uh, invade this dimension. Something like that. So very, very different from how things turned out.
4: Susan didn't really get her come up did she? She just kind of slipped away quietly at the at the end there.
0: I just I just felt like she's she was in the she had been in the show for like all of five minutes in (laughs) one of the, in one of the early episodes and lost at sea. And I just got, I just didn't think she could, um, she could hold the, hold the (laughs) role of final boss. No.
3: (laughs) She lost her 401k. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All those souls were being held in escrow.
4: (laughs) So Brenda, did you have the, did you have the whole church of uh, like because that seemed to I'm just trying to think where that started. So I invented. So there was the zombie episode,
0: right? And I invented that, them as they were like Umbrella Corporation from the Resident Evil games. All right. Yep. Um, and that's that. That's what they got invented for. And then I want I wanted them to pop up somewhere else, so I had them like buy out another another religion i think and it just it just spread from there um and then the mushrooms was a (laughs) reincorporation from chalky and the chocolate mine
2: yeah of course oh your brain brendan
0: it 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 wasn't easy as it turns out
2: (laughs) i mean i mean we're like we're talking about the last two years right and in you know everything that's really great about it but you know like can we take a moment to stop and appreciate for a second that like Brendan managed to keep doing these shows and, and they all were coherent and made sense whilst in the middle of the run, like Brendan's wife has a baby who was also in the show, (laughs) you know, so all those sleepless nights and you still managed to do every single show. And, and you still had way more knowledge of what was about to happen and what was happening and what had happened previously than I ever did. And I've got no excuse. But um, you did a pretty amazing job, Brendan Bennett.
4: Lots of work. Mm. I would really like – if you want to do uh, an idea for like a one, one-time one show, it would just be like a series of encounters that probably Brendan had planned for and <laughs> we just <laughs> totally went off-piste. And the cutting room floor. <laughs>
2: It doesn't surprise me because I think, like, when I started, I used to think that what I did in an episode didn't make any impact um, to the broader story. And then when you get to the end, you know, and you see what the last episode's like, it's like, oh, everything, everything contributed to everything else.
0: Yeah, the one thing, so when I made that plan, the only thing, like, at the top of the whiteboard, as it were, was it ends with belt buying everyone in the world a beer, and <laughs> then I basic I basically worked backwards from that. Wow, like that's that's the last thing that I w- want to happen in the in the adventure, and so what what, what can I do to to make that happen?
2: Wow, pretty we, good.
4: Uh, yep, we're Brendan. It worked chalky.
2: Yeah.
0: Chalky.
4: Yeah. No
0: time for playing knife ball.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm going to listen back to it now. Now that it's all over, I'm going to listen to the episodes because there's no pressure and I'm just going to slap myself in the head for forgetting all of this stuff the whole time.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I think we should probably wrap things up soon. I maybe maybe I could just talk a little bit about 2020. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So as as I've said previously, the reason why the, the adventure finished was a, because I think it's important for stories to have endings um, and B, because we were like losing our venue in orange studios. Um, and so with the, with the great news that uh, little Andromeda seems to be going into next year, We're going to do some more shows. So I mentioned we're going to do a a Christmas show. And then next year I have like three or four different ideas for different ways that you could do a Dungeons and Dragons show with comedians. So we're going to they're going to be like just one one off shows and each one's going to be quite different from each other. And they're not going to be connected with each other. But we're going to try and like what's the best way. To do Dungeons and Dragons in front of an audience, mm. um, and so we'll try different things, and then with what we learn from that, assuming people are still interested, we will start a new campaign and a new kind of long-running adventure. Um, so that's 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 the plan for me. So over <laughs> for so this new year, that's that's what I'm going to be planning out.
4: Like the version with. Much stricter rule enforcement, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, a lot of counting the numbers of feet people are standing away from each other, and graph paper, and uh, multiples of you know dice.
0: I I would like to. Uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about is it would be interesting to make you play through a classic, actual Dungeons and Dragons adventure, oh, like, like a module. Yeah, like for like the most famous one is is Tomb of Horrors, which is an extremely lethal adventure mm. um, and it's all it's it's a very different kind of game to what we've been playing so it would be it would be i'd be curious to see what it would be like if you if you played through that um i'd also like to try one where we get up from behind the tables and um <laughs>
4: Did you get another uh, friend request, (laughs) Aaron?
3: Yeah, uh, Brendan, um, Karen can do the 20th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that message (laughs) too.
0: Oh, that's great news. (laughs) He's just going to start
4: start stacking up a whole lot of Christmas classics for his (laughs) comedy.
0: That's so Um, funny. uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is so funny. (laughs)
3: That's the last one, I swear.
0: <clears throat> okay. Uh, any any final comments before we wrap up?
2: Thanks, Brendan.
3: Thank you, Brendan. I had a question for you, Brendan. I don't know. You can uh, cut this out if you want, because I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Okay. But I heard I've heard some people talking to you after the show and talking to us who have played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and then come to the show. And one guy in particular said it was interesting to see people playing the game with a much more narrative approach and how it differed in there and i was wondering if someone were to ask you who was a dungeon master how could i make my campaigns somewhat more like more narrative or more like this show is or I i don't know what do you think you would say is a way that someone could adapt their dungeon mastering to make it maybe a little more something
0: that's an interesting question i think the the reason the show is the way that it is is because of the way that the rewards are set up uh so you when when i played Dungeons dragons kind of at home or like if if i kill an orc then i say you know i loot the body how many gold coins does it have what can i go and buy with those gold coins and when you start when you start thinking about that when the rewards are like leveling up your character and that kind of thing then you inevitably get caught up in the the numbers side of things whereas you you were never motivated by those things Um, I mean what motivated you was I guess the laughter of the audience and the satisfaction of the the story and so because those were the things that were you were rewarded for those were the things that you were pursuing
3: you're right Brendan it was all us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it it was me and that I chose you
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was like like there's like the
0: secret to it like what do they say like in a play like 90 percent of the work is casting <laughs> um, good management yeah so uh it it came from you right because you totally could have played those adventures in a totally different way and you could have like every time you came up to a door you could spend 10 minutes testing the door to make sure it's not trapped and all that kind of thing um i suppose if every time you'd gone through a door a trap had gone off then you would then I would have trained you to to behave in that way. So I guess it's a, it's a feedback loop, right? What what do I reward you for and what do I punish you for?
3: Mm, yeah.
4: And you weren't, uh, you weren't rigid about it either. I think the crux of the whole, like, in the very first episode, which didn't get recorded, but then I think because the first episode got repeated, mm. and it happened again, I don't think with any – input but like there was the moment and i think it summed up the whole show what, what it's going to be where we heard um whales anguished whales in the crypt and there were two choices there and one was the probably more traditional dungeons and dragons choice that could have been made but of course the choice the other choice was made that it turned out to be whales and we just went with it and I'm sure you kind of been planning that there was actually a tank of whales, um, down there, but you went with it and I think that's the going with it approach yeah. that worked out. Yes. And you yes, and. Yeah,
2: and I think Brendan you so, um, you know, like there were so many times when at the breaks I'd be like, are we doing the right thing? And you'd be like, yeah, and um, you know, and they used to make me laugh because sometimes after the show, you know, Kieran would have done the adventure already, and he'd say something like, "That was so. What the hell happened there?" You yeah. and then I slowly started to realize, like, that that you just, um, you don't make us feel like we're we're screwing up your plans, but often we kind of
0: are. <laughs> it is. So I used to, I used to, I would plan out the adventure, and then I would run it with some some of my friends, including Karen. Right. Um Yeah, yeah. Um well, thank you so much for uh two years of uh amazing fun and adventures and thank you for sharing your thoughts tonight. Uh that's it for this D and D brief. Um but it's not the end. Um we'll we'll see you again later. Good night.